Take your Bible and begin Matthew. Mark chapter 7. Uh, I don't know why I'm having so much trouble with this text this morning. I uh, sent it out yesterday and since you next week's text. And so uh, I usually don't even know what next week's text is. And so, um, but I happened to this time and so um, sent you the wrong thing. So if you, read, if you read both of them, you're good. You've read most of chapter 7. You're good. You've got your Bible reading in for the month now. So uh, Mark chapter 7, and I'm going to look at a long passage. I'm not going to read it all, uh, but uh, verse uh, beginning in verse 1 and going down uh, through verse 23. And uh, this passage this morning uh, really uh, highlights why I have um, in the last few years become convicted and kind of uh, changed a little bit the way uh, that I have been preaching, preaching uh, more through books because it forces me sometimes uh, to deal with some topics that I probably would have just skipped otherwise. Uh, and this passage is going to deal with one that um, is not uh, necessarily uh, one that I would have probably, I might have come across it maybe somewhere along the way. Uh, but we're going to examine it a little bit uh, closer, uh, and that is uh, what we see here, and we see often uh, in the Gospels, and that is the tyranny of tradition. Uh, tradition can be uh, a real tyrant. Uh, it can be a real tyrant in our lives. It can be a real tyrant in our churches. Uh, there are, some of you I'm sure have heard the story uh, of the, the, the man whose wife, every time she would cook a roast, she'd cut the ends off of it and, you know, and put, them in, put it in the pan and cook the roast. And uh, her husband asked me one day, he says, why do you do that? And he said, because my mom always did. And so he got the opportunity, he asked his mother-in-law one day, he says, you know, so Lucy here always cuts the end off the roast before she cooks it. And she says she does it because you did it. Well, why did you do that? You know, what difference does it make? She says, well, I don't know. My mama always did. And so he gets an opportunity to see his grandma and ask her. He says, uh, my wife does it. She says she did it because her mom, you know, your daughter did it. And she says she does it because you did it. Uh, why do you cut the ends off a roast? And she just started laughing, and she said, because when I was young, first got married, the roast wouldn't fit in the pan. I had to cut the ends off of it to make it fit. And they just all had picked it up and started doing it. Uh, you know, tradition can be a real tyrant in our life. Some of you, uh, we're entering that season, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, where uh, tradition, uh, some of it's cool, uh, some of it's awesome, uh, some of our Thanksgiving and Christmas traditions, some of them are a pain. Uh, let's just be honest. I gotta get up and be here. I gotta go do this. I gotta do that. You know, I gotta. You know, um, I, I, I've told you before about the year when, when Ron and I first got married. My family was nuts. They, well, they still are, but um, you know, uh, buying Christmas presents for everybody. And I, I said we started down the aisle at Zares, and there was a bin sitting there with flannel shirts in them. I just grabbed up the scoop. And I said, "How many men's on the list?" And I mean, Jimmy, and I just started firing them off. I said, "What are you doing?" I said, "Christmas shop." You know, uh, you know, oh, you can't do that. We're going to pick out something. No, nah, you don't know how this works. Uh, you find the cheapest piece of junk you can find and wrap it up, and you know, that's just the way this works. Uh, you know, tradition. Uh, and some of them are great. You know, one of the things we have done at our house ever since I was a kid, uh, and sometimes traditions change. This is one of them. Uh, at our house, always at Christmas, we unwrap presents from the youngest to the oldest. Uh, the very youngest opens their presents, and everybody sits and watches them open their presents. You know, it's not a madhouse. You know, and then they have to sit, 
you know, even though they've got their, they have to sit and watch, um, you know, everybody else open their presents. And they go from the youngest to the oldest. And that's one of those traditions that's changed. When I was young, that was a really cool tradition. Uh, now, that uh, I'm like next to last on the list, it ain't so cool anymore. Um, and uh, as a matter of fact, I get in trouble every now and then because some of my presents actually end up getting tore a lot of times. Uh, and uh, the paper somehow just gets told. Uh, the tradition's a funny thing. It, it can be a real tyrant. It can be a real blessing. Uh, same thing in religion. Same thing in church. Um, that uh, in church, a lot of times there are traditions that uh, that uh, churches follow, and um, they are they can be real real tyrants. I mean, it, you know, you, you can you know you can do a lot of things. Well, you better not break that tradition. You better get out of my seat. Uh, you know, some of those kinds of things. There, there are some traditions uh, that we hold in the church. Uh, there are some traditions that are even more elevated and, and become spiritual traditions. Um, you can't really, that man with long hair, he can't really be saved. Um, you know, that, that woman in a pantsuit, she can't really, you know, uh, that woman's got on makeup. Oh, they went to the dance hall. Oh, they play cards. You know some of them. We get some traditions even uh, even elevated into the spiritual realm uh, that sometimes can become real tyrants in, in how we uh, serve God. And I found it interesting. Uh, I got my dictionary out and looked up the word tradition and looked for the definition of tradition. Um, and the first definition uh, that I came across was one that uh, probably most of us, uh, it may make sense to us. It says it is the transmission of customs or beliefs from generation to generation. Well, again, some of those are, are really good. We, you know, we get together with uh, Grandma at Christmas. You know, we've always done it on Christmas Eve. You know, uh, that's how we do it. That's how we're going to keep doing it. And, you know, until Jesus comes. And even after that, we might tell Jesus on Christmas Eve, we've got to go to Grandma's. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's, a, it's a tradition. Uh, and it's been passed on. You know, some of you probably have some of those Christmas traditions. Your great-grandma did it. Your grandma did it. Your mama did it. It's just been passed on from year to year. Certain foods are going to be, uh, you know, you count on uh, you know, you know, I said, when, when uh, my grandma was living, I could have told you to the T what we were going to have for Christmas dinner at her house, except, and I've talked about this before, and I'll keep talking about it, even though she's not here, because it was a disaster. Uh, she always made this mashed sweet potatoes and toasted the marshmallows on top of it. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Always did. I got me a big scoop of that and threw that in my mouth. <laughs> She'd put pineapple in the sweet potatoes, and I didn't let her go. I didn't let her quit hearing about that to the day she died. Uh, sweet potatoes don't need pineapple. They don't go there. Like putting it on pizza, don't belong. Uh, and so, you know, there's some traditions. Uh, but then I found a second entry in, uh, in, in the dictionary that really struck me and really fits where, uh, where we're at this morning. It said the, the second definition of tradition Listen to this. A doctrine, a doctrine believed to have divine authority, though not in the scriptures. I found it interesting that the typical Webster's Dictionary, I don't know if it was Webster's Dictionary, uh, the dictionary would go so far as to put that definition for tradition, a doctrine 
It is uh, believe, believed to have divine authority, even though it is not in Scripture. That's what Jesus was dealing with in this passage. And we're going to uh, look at and uh, I want you to keep those uh, definitions uh, in your mind today. Uh, just uh, and, and not only today, but keep it for the future. Uh, a doctrine. Uh, and you know what doctrine is? Doctrine is serious business. Doctrine, uh, we have a doctrine of salvation. We have a doctrine uh, of, uh, of many things. Those doctrines are important. They're what uh, our, our theology is built on. And so a tradition has been elevated to the point of a doctrine believed to have divine authority even though it's not in Scripture. Well, let's take that definition for a minute and think about it. If we've got a doctrine that we believe to have divine authority and it's not in Scripture, where did it come from? Well, it had to come from us. So then it can't have divine authority, can it? Uh, and so it probably shouldn't be a doctrine. And so when we work that definition backwards, we see uh, the issue uh, with, uh, with, that, uh, with this problem uh, of tradition. And so as we uh, go into this passage, keep that in mind. Again, there's nothing inherently wrong with tradition. Uh, you know, it, there's a lot of good, nice, friendly tradition. Again, we're entering the season uh, of tradition. And there's a lot of them uh, that are good. But when it becomes a doctrine with divine authority that is not in Scripture, then we got an issue. We have, we have a problem uh, that we have to deal with. And in this passage, the Pharisees uh, are going to confront Jesus and his disciples, and I'm going to paraphrase these 23 verses and put it real, real quickly. The Pharisees confront Jesus because his disciples were not washing their hands before they ate. They were, they were upset that the disciples were not washing their hands before they ate. Now, my, again, back to my grandmother, my grandmother would probably consider that a doctrine with divine authority. Um, washing your hands. I mean, that was, you know, that was, uh, you know, that was, you know, that was pretty close to God's law. Uh, you know, that, uh, did you wash your hands? That was, uh, and that's not a bad practice, don't get me wrong. Uh, but uh, I've also, you know, ate while I was fishing, and we'll just leave it at that. Uh, you know, uh, and so, uh, but that, that was their, that was their gripe. That, that was their complaint. They had come from Jerusalem. They had heard about Jesus. They had heard about the miracles he was doing. They had heard about uh, the healings and the demon being, demons being cast out and uh, the deaf getting their hearing, the blind getting their sight, all these things. And the only thing they could see was those disciples eating dinner with unwashed hands. Now, granted, in the Old Testament, the law did say uh, that, they, that, that you wasn't supposed to eat without washing your hands, uh, that you should clean. Uh, but they had taken this again to the point uh, of, of ridiculousness, uh, that they had elevated it to. And so uh, that brings us then to our first point, uh, and that is the tragedy of, of tradition. Uh, tradition can end up being a real tragedy uh, if we're not careful. They uh, came together 
Now, the Bible tells us, beginning in verse uh, verse 1, uh, that the Pharisees came. Again, they came up from Jerusalem to check on uh, what Jesus was doing, what was going on. And when they got there, it says they saw some of the disciples eat bread uh, with defiled, that is to say, with unwashed hands. Um, and they got upset about that. And so the Pharisees, it says, uh, they all washed their hands a lot. Um, Looking, holding the trans, uh, tradition of their elders, and when they came from the market, except they washed, they don't eat. Uh, now, I'm going to tell you, again, I think it's a good idea to wash your hands. Probably awful healthy. But if I'm hungry and I don't have any soap and water, guess what? Clean, let's eat. You know, uh, I said that, you know, it, but they were, look, this was a major issue uh, to them. And the washing of, of cups and pots and brazen vessels and of tables. Um, they, uh, I mean, they would scrub that. I mean, it was a matter of not just your hands, but the pots and pans. They was, and listen, I'm all for cooking and clean dishes. Uh, you know, uh, but again, if I'm hungry enough, um, you know, I, I, there's probably a lot of fellas in here that's cooked in a dirty pan over a campfire in the woods. Uh, you know, if I'm hungry enough, uh, you know, I, I'm a, I'll hold the pan over the fire and figure that sterilized and put the food in. Let's eat. Uh, you know, these guys had gotten to the point uh, where this was a major issue. And, and I, I don't remember who uh, said this. But I come across a quote that really struck me. It said that this passage is of critical importance for the destiny of both man and religion. Why is it so important? Because neither man nor religion can survive being institutionalized, that is, being based and focused upon tradition, ritual, ceremony, and works. Neither man nor religion can survive caught up in tradition, governed by tradition. What if we were still going by tradition? What if we were uh, still practicing some of the same things that our ancestors practiced? We were still, uh, you know, doing some of the exact same things because mama did it, grandma did it, great-grandma did it. We'd be hungry, we'd be dressed a lot different, we'd be living a lot different. We'd be doing a lot. We, we, society cannot survive governed simply by tradition. Church, religion cannot survive when tradition gets elevated above doctrine, above scripture, above doing that which is right. This scene that we have here is one of the religionists, the Pharisees, uh, finding fault with Jesus' disciples. Now, let me remind you why they were there to begin with. They had heard about the miracles that Jesus was doing. They had heard about his teaching. They had heard about the, 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 being, the, the people being raised from the dead. They had heard about demons being cast out. They had heard about the blind getting back their sight. Uh, they had heard about the deaf getting back their hearing. They had heard about the mute being giving back their speech. They had heard about the cripple walking again. And the only thing they could find when they got there was the disciples eating with dirty hands. My friends, that's a tragedy. That's a tragedy. That's a joke. When we are so focused on tradition that we miss the handiwork, the movement of God. And what, what, would, what in the world would possess? You would think 
that these religionists, uh, they, they probably all had a sick friend, uh, somebody who needed something. Why didn't they bring that friend to Jesus and say, hey, my brother, my son, my daughter, my neighbor needs healing. They need, uh, they've got a demon. Can you do something? No. They show up and all they can focus on is tradition. Listen, again, hear me. Tradition is not necessarily bad. But when tradition gets elevated over doing that which is right, over doing what God's Word commands us to do, then we have, tradition has become a tragedy. Let me give you an example um, that I can give now after 29, yeah, I can give this one after 29 years now. Um, when I came here, uh, the practice was that we would give one baby shower. Some of you have been here long enough to know that. Y'all remember that. Some of you may get mad at me. That's all right. You got mad at me 28 years ago. You get mad again. Um, give you one baby shower. No matter how many babies you had, you got one baby shower. And I went to the folks who were organizing the baby shower. I said, you really think that's a good idea? I said, no, I'm not. I said, listen, here, here's what I'm thinking. Some people don't need one baby shower. They got family, they got friends, they got everything they need. They don't need nothing. Some people need three or four. I said, some folks, they had a baby 10, 15 years ago. Well, we already gave them all that stuff. Yeah, they had a baby 10, 15 years ago. They done got rid of all of that stuff. Now they're having another one. They need a baby shower. I said, some people are not churchmen. Some of you may have been in the room when we had this conversation. I said, some folks are not church members, but we ought to give them a baby shower and show them the love of Jesus. Some people, and here's maybe where I went off the rails a little bit, some people are names on the roll and call themselves church members, and they don't deserve a baby shower because we ain't seen them. Tradition said we give one. Doing what is right says you see a need and you meet the need. Tradition says, I, I, I remember years ago when some of you remember Miss Juanita that run the Shane house over here. We were discussing something and, and, and the policy at the time was to only give food out every 90 days. You can only come back every, I think, 90 days, I believe it was. And Juanita looked me square in the eye and she said, I'm going to tell you something right now. She says, somebody comes in here today, and they come back next week, they're hungry again, I'm giving them food. And at the time, that kind of aggravated me because I, I was probably a little more pharisaical. I was a little more legalistic. Now, the rule says 90 days. She says, I don't care if your belly's empty, I'm feeding Tra Tradition can become a tragedy. How many people have been turned against the name of Jesus Christ, turned against the church because of the traditions of the church? They came, somebody came into church and they weren't dressed according to the tradition. Their hair wasn't cut according to tradition. And they got the stink eye from somebody in the church. Or worse than the stink eye, somebody had the guts or the ignorance to walk up to them and say something to them. Tradition can be a tragedy. Some of you are stuck in your family. Again, it's not just church. 
Some of you got things you're going to be doing this Christmas, this Thanksgiving, and you already dreaded it. Don't lie. You already dreaded it. Boy, I wish I didn't have to go there. I wish I didn't have to see them people. But tradition says we've always done it. Tradition, a doctrine that has become divine authority without Scripture to back it up, without Scripture to support it. Listen, they already sent one fact-finding group to meet Jesus. They knew what he was doing. And they get there, and, and again, if you remember that group, they accused Jesus of healing and doing miracles in the name of Beelzebub. That was how the first group came back. Now this group comes, and all they can do is figure out, well, they're not washing their hands. Oh, no. And I know over there is a, a, a fellow that used to be demon-possessed standing and sitting there eating with them. I know over there is a, a little girl that used to be blind and she's eating with them. I know over there is a guy that used to be crippled and he walked in and sat down, but they didn't wash their hands. Do you see the tragedy of tradition if we're not careful? Tradition can be really good in our families, in our churches. Just because we've always sung it, always done it, it's always been done that way, doesn't mean it's right. Now, let me, th let me go somewhere else with that for a minute. Because we do it different today doesn't mean it was wrong when we did it then. How many of you in here grew up being the remote control at your house? I not only was the remote control, I was the antenna rope. How many of you had to go outside and twist the antenna and listen for somebody yell through the wall and tell you that's it. One of the glory, most glorious days in my life was that thing. That was now one of the worst days in my life. Some of you remember when it was bad enough to be the remote control when all we had was three nine eighteen thirty six. Didn't nobody watch that PBS stuff? Still don't. 3-9-18-36. Every now and then my daddy get frogged and want to watch 12 or 8. Here I was outside. Change moving the point the antenna towards Winston-Salem. What was worse, some of you remember this, when cable first came to town. And you got that box and it had like 15, 20 buttons and three switches. And so you had like 50 or 60 channels. And so you over there for like a half hour. Go back to that oven. And by the time you finally found something, it was like on the hours of the channel, the program was changing, so you had to do it over. You know, I don't know about you, but I sure am glad we got rid of that tradition. Anybody in here grow up with funeral home fans at the church? I sure am glad we got rid of that tradition. Now you can have your funeral fan if you want one. But we keep in that tradition. You can fan the air tradition. We keep in that tradition. How many of you remember old hardwood and pews? I like cushions. 
More the better. If it was up to me, we'd have chairs to recline. Some of you sleeping anyway, you might as well be comfortable. <laughs> Tradition. Again, some of you are old enough, you grew up in a day when you went to the dance hall, you was going to hate. You went to the movie theater, you and the devil were bosom buddies. God forbid you played a game of cards. I've heard Libby talk about getting caught playing cards, Jimmy. You, know, you heard that story, I'm sure. Yeah. Mr. Turner had fit. You don't play cards. Some of you may not play steel. That's fine. Yeah, I don't care. One way or the other. But tradition can be a real tragedy. It's one thing to have family tradition that's annoying. It's a whole other issue when we start dragging tradition into religion. And the spirituality. Well, he's not what he ought to be because he's got long hair, or he's got a tattoo, or he wears jewelry, or she wears jewelry, depending on the, the, the congregation they're in, or yeah, she wears makeup, or whatever. Or they got the wrong translation of the Bible. You know, they don't sing the right music. Listen, if you don't know all those things going on in the church, you're going to sleep. You really are in a recline. Tradition can be a real tragedy. When we see again the washed, unwashed hands over the great things God is trying to do. The tragedy. The trap. The trap of tradition. That's a trap. The Pharisees and scribes said, why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? And Jesus says, well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. This people honoreth God with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Here is the trap of tradition demonstrated to us perfectly in this passage. We all know in hindsight how mean and nasty the Pharisees were. These are the people who were ultimately involved in the plot and the plan to kill Christ. These were some wicked people. These are the people who Jesus drives out of the temple for their wicked practices. These are people who had taken the law of God and added volumes of law to what God had written. These were mean and nasty people. And yet here they are lecturing the Son of God on what is God's way. Anybody see a little bit of a quirk in that? See, tradition can become a trap. When it becomes a trap, what happens is, again, when we elevate it to that point of that definition, that it has become a doctrine without spiritual, scriptural authority. These people were more concerned about washing your hands before, listen, and I'm, again, I'm all for washing your hands, but you know what that meant about the disciples? It meant they were slobs. Didn't mean they were ungodly. It meant I don't want them passing me the bread. That's why 
for the uh, that's what it means doesn't mean they're ungodly doesn't mean they don't love God it means they need some hygiene that's what it means but the Pharisees saw it as a sign of their relationship with God they didn't see their hatred for their brothers. They didn't see their thievery in the temple as a problem. Here, here's what I've noticed about tradition and these things that become doctrine without scriptural backing. Is It's kind of like Ronald Reagan said years ago about abortion. He said, I noticed that everybody is for abortion has already been born. who like tradition typically really like their traditions. They, you know, they're quick to point out to you something you're doing that means you're not right with God and somehow or another miss all the things in their life that indicate maybe there's some problems there. Back to what Jesus said about you busy picking out a little splinter out of my eye and you got a telephone pole in yours. And that's what the words he uses means. You got a little splinter, a little hair in your eye, in my eye. You got a telephone pole in your eye and you over here worried about me. When our tradition gets elevated to the point of doctrine, you're not right with God if you do this. Unless you can take this book right here and show me where God says it's wrong, I can give two cents about your tradition. Now, if you want to live that way, knock your little self out. If you don't want to go to the movie theater, Cool. I don't really either, but it ain't a spiritual thing. It's I can't afford it. I don't want to mortgage my house for a movie ticket. And I got popcorn and it didn't cost me twenty dollars a bag. We got to the point where you gotta use your debit card to get a bag of popcorn. I I can I just pop popcorn in my house. Tradition. You ain't gonna catch me to dance hall. I ain't got no rhythm. You won't play a game of rummy, I'm down. I'm ready to go. If you don't, fine. But tradition can become a real trap when we elevate our traditions above Scripture. There are many people sitting in churches all over town this morning who know more about tradition, know more about the bylaws, know more about the Constitution than they do about God's Word. I know a whole lot of folks who carry their church constitution in their Bible. I don't even know why they bother with the Bible because they don't know nothing about it. All they know is the Constitution. And half the time church constitutions are not worth killing. I was working with the church a while back and I was looking at it and I said, y'all need to update your church constitution a little bit. Why is that? I said, well, it says right here, got a section here about the organist. 
And I was looking around, y'all don't even have an organ. Got a section here about the church van. When I pulled up the parking lot, I noticed y'all don't even have a church van. Yeah. All kinds of things. Listen, we know more about those kind of things than we do about Scripture. It can be a real trap. It's a real danger. When we focus on anything other than Scripture. It's what Jesus calls them here a hypocrite. A hypocrite. You give lip service while your heart is far from God. He attends worship. He acknowledges God. But that's about it. They don't know anything. Tradition, man-made commandments, all kinds of things that come up. Usually they're kept before Bible. You see the phrase on the screen this morning? Tradition can be a hypocritical honor. Oh, I don't, I've never, I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. I've never had a, I've never had a drink in my life. I've never been to a movie in my life. I, you know, it becomes an honor, a badge. It's like being a Boy Scout and getting your little patches. Never been in the movies, never played cards, never did this, never did, never did this, never did this. Yeah. Never witnessed to my neighbor. You wasn't all them things you wasn't doing. You ought to have plenty of time to be telling somebody about Jesus, hadn't you? Hadn't prayed in six months. I hadn't go to the movie theater or watch all kinds of garbage on my television. What's the difference? becomes a badge of honor to keep the traditions instead of a badge of honor to keep the scripture. It's a trap. It's a trap. It makes us feel good about ourselves. And then triumph over tradition. Verse 14, when he called them, all the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without a man that entered into him can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are they that defile a man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And it was entered into the house from the people. His disciples asked him concerning the parable, and he said unto him, Are you without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatever things come from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him, because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the drum, purging all meats. And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adultery, fornication, murder, theft, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, sinlessness, an evil eye, blasphemy, wrath, foolishness, all these evil things come from within and defile the man. Which is worse? Eating supper without washing your hands or adultery? Which is worse? 
eating lunch without washing your hands or fornication? Which is worse, eating with dirty hands or murder? Which is worse, eating with dirty hands or theft? Which is worse, eating supper with dirty hands or covetous, wickedness, deceit? Which is worse? Jesus says the problem is not what's in the head, it's what's in the heart. It's not what goes in, it's what comes out. It's the heart. It's not about whether or not you keep tradition and do what everybody else says ought to be done and how it ought to be done. It's actually probably one of the most startling things that Jesus ever taught. It really shook their world at that time. Because as you know, the, the Jews, if you've read the Old Testament, were very fanatical. And the law required it. Very fanatical. Eat this, don't eat that. Don't touch that. Don't go there. Don't do this. Don't do that. There was a lot of things. And if you did those things, you were considered unclean. You weren't allowed to worship. You weren't allowed to come around people. Very strict practice. But this idea revolutionizes the idea of right and wrong. It transforms the idea of wrongdoing. It knocks the legs out from under man's idea of morality. We think we're good people. But it, this lays man open before God and makes us totally dependent on him for salvation. He says there's no connection between what we eat and spirituality. It's about our relationship with Jesus Christ. No connection between the length of our hair and our spirituality. No connection between what we wear and our spirituality. It's about our relationship with Jesus Christ. It's about a changed heart. It's about having Christ living in us. It's, it's what our heart does. It's what our heart is about. Have you ever had one of those con artists come up to you in the parking lot? I haven't seen one in a good while. They'll come up to you in the parking lot at the shopping center, the grocery store, and go by watch. Anybody in here ever had that happen? When I used to work in the jewelry business, I've seen quite a few of them watches come in. My watch ain't working. <laughs> Wonder why. My Rolex quit working. Well, if you look real close, it don't say Rolex. It says Rolex. <laughs> you have been had. I have popped those grocery store parking lot Rolexes open, and they didn't even have Timex working there. They wouldn't even have time. I'd rather have Timex than, than the Rolex or whatever they were supposed to be. I popped one open one time that wasn't working. It wasn't working because it didn't have nothing in it. <laughs> it wasn't that it had cheap works in it. It had no works in it. It was an empty shell. Oh, it was shiny. I've seen, I've seen those things brought in the store. And it had to be shiny and had the nice band on Look like diamonds around there to tell you what time it was. You know, the real fancy don't have numbers on them. You have to get up and guess what time it is, you know. And, you know, and they look all kinds of good. You go pop them open. 
Yeah. It's a pill. You, you know, but there's a cricket in there on, on a hand, on one of the little thread meals or something. There's some pitiful things. That's the way a lot of folks, their Christian life is. It's based on tradition. When you pop them open, it's tradition, it's doctrine with no spiritual authority, no scriptural authority. Oh, I'm doing everything Mama said. I'm doing everything the church said. I'm, you know, I, I go to church every Sunday. I give. I teach a Sunday school class. I sing in the choir. I help take up the offering. I work with the children. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I'm doing all the things man says you ought to do to be good. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. Trapped in tradition today. Tradition can be a real tyrant. be a real nuisance. But the problem is tradition keeps moving. Tradition keeps changing. Well, the Word of God is consistent. It doesn't change. It's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Maybe this morning, I, I kind of hate to do an invitation this way, Maybe this morning you've got a friend or a family member who you know. And they're believing, they're, they're, they're going to church, they're doing an offering, they're singing, they're teaching. You know, there's no fruit on the church. They're lost. They don't know Christ. They're keeping all the traditions, but they need to be saved. They're good people. They're good. They do a lot of good things. But the truth is, their heart is in. Would you come this morning and lift them up in prayer? Pray that God will open their eyes that they will see that they need a Savior, not a tradition. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. God, I pray that we could stir our hearts. God, we wouldn't be preachers and practicing practices of, of tradition above your word. Our tradition is always bad. When we get elevated to be above your word, when it becomes a doctrine with no scriptural authority, we're more worried about what somebody might think than what your word says. God, help us. We want to break and overcome that tradition. There's people in this room who have friends and family who are living good, who are doing all the right things. Maybe you've been in church somewhere this morning. But the truth is, you don't know you. Before we serve our hearts. 
as we ask you to move in our midst this morning. We give you honor for life. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we stand.